This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says that uh, we do not lose heart. The outward things are Look, they don't look too good, but on the inside, things are good. And uh, I want to uh, give you maybe some reasons why Paul might lose heart or lose courage. This is uh, from his same letter that he wrote, and this is from the message. And so it has a little uh, uh, kind of a, a feel to it that's different than the other versions. But listen to this. Since you admire the, oh, by the way, I put the blue up here just to illustrate sort of the emotional part and the yellow is the, the physical uh, hardships that he's enduring that might cause him to lose heart. Since you admire the egomaniacs of the pulpit, hey, that's not me, folks. Sorry. All right, uh, uh, so much. Let me try my hand at it. So he's going he's gonna to say, he's going to talk about these people who like to brag. Do they brag of being Hebrews, Israelites, the pure race of Abraham? I'm their match, he says. Are they servants of Christ? I can go them one better. And then I'm just cutting and pasting here. But he says, I've worked much harder. I've been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count. And at death's door, time after time. Look at what Paul is. This is what I think is curious. Why is he bragging? Have you ever ever heard anybody bragging that I've been in jail more times than you? (laughs) I mean, that's not. uh... So I want to pick up on a a Hebrew word here that I love to uh, play with. It's actually a Yiddish word. So Yiddish is, mo- is more, a more modern. You don't find this Yiddish in the Bible. It means Jewish, but it's, it, this word, it's a language that came out of the um, Middle Ages. 
and uh, is, is used by modern Jews, but it's, it's not found in the Bible. So the word is, and how do you say it? Chutzpah. You don't, you don't say the C-H there. You say chutzpah. And so um, it's a great word. Uh, this is from uh, uh, Leo Rostin, The Joys of Yiddish. He, he wrote this. A modern Hebrew Yiddish word that means gall, brazen nerve, incredible guts, presumption plus arrogance, such as no other word and no other language can do justice to. And it's usually used in a derogatory way. So he illustrates it by saying, think of a man who murders his mother and father and then throws himself at the mercy of the court because he's an orphan. You got it? That takes a lot of guts, a lot of nerve, we would say, to do something like that. And um, and so we I want but but Paul has he uh, a chutzpah that is uh, about him and it's dipped in grace. We're going to see that he's not um, it's not just, uh, you know, it's, it's not brazen gall for the sake of, of that. It, 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 it's uh, it's going somewhere and it's God centered. But because we are people who lose heart easily and everybody in this room right now, you can think of your troubles and um, we have troubles and we lose heart. We lose courage. We lose our our winsome ways and we become discouraged um, because of that. We're going to look at this word and how it fits into this uh, passage and see how Paul uh, can help us today with our uh, with our troubles. So I want to I want to say that right now I'm going to give you the invitation that at, at the end of each of, of these uh, messages, we believe in the Holy Spirit here and we believe I believe I would be totally Hmm. I would lose heart if I didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. I really mean that. I mean, if I if it was just I thought it was me, just my words up here, as opposed to um, trying to say some things from God's perspective and allowing the Holy Spirit to to plow things up in your heart. So I believe that happens. And then when that happens, I would encourage you to come for prayer. Okay, and I'm getting ready to to no no longer uh, be in this place. But I want to encourage you on any Sunday, because the, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, then you believe that he can speak to you uh, through his word in other ways, too. And, and come back and, and allow someone to pray uh, with you in that way on a, on a Sunday morning is a beautiful thing. So I've had that experience over the years many times, and we'll be doing that again today. Our outline, we're going we're gonna, to, verse 16 is the verse that says uh, we do not lose heart. What I want to do is go back to verse 7 and then work our way to 16 and then really focus in. And this is where the chutzpah really comes in is verse 17. So uh, I'm giving you, I'm going to give you something there to look forward to. But Paul begins in verse 7 by saying, we are jars of clay. <sighs> yeah. And uh, jars of clay, ordinary, cheap marketplace, buy it in the Agora jars of clay. That is who we are. We are not like some egomaniacs in the pulpit, you know, with fancy stuff. And uh, this is not all that fancy, but glazed and all pretty. You know, that's not us, Paul says. We are jars of clay. But guess what? We have treasure in us that is of incomparable value. That's Paul's message. I want you to say to yourself, I may not look like much, but I am sure valuable. Well, let's just say it out loud together. I may not look like much, but I am sure valuable. Billy, I didn't hear you say it. Let's hear you. Come on, loud. Just you. That'll teach the rest of you. 
You sure don't. <laughs> I'm going to miss you, Billy. All right. So, yeah, that's who we are. And Paul says uh, in verses eight and nine, in the wake of that. Why don't I just get it up here on the screen for you? We are hard pressed. Life is hard. Life is hard. We've got troubles, folks. Life is hard. We're hard pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Think of Jesus with all of that. Just think of Jesus. He was all of that stuff. Now, when Paul wrote this down, he did not know that we would be reading his mail 2,000 years later. It's a scary thought. Better watch out what you write in your emails, folks. (laughs) But that's what we're doing. We're reading a letter that he wrote to a particular people. He did not know that we would be reading, but the Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit knew that people like you and me would be hard-pressed, but hopefully not crushed. We would be perplexed, but not in despair. And some of us, and in in various times in our life, we we feel persecuted because we follow Christ. And we may... uh, get struck down. We get knocked down, but we get up again, right? We're not destroyed. So this is all stuff for us. The Holy Spirit takes things out of the first century and makes them applicable to us. Life is hard. Jesus knew all this stuff. Verses 10 and uh, through 12, we, we are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. Think of that treasure. We're carrying around the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This is that treasure that we carry around. The death of Christ, the life of Christ, the gospel of Christ. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Paul is speaking of himself in this way. That will be clear in a second. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, Paul says, but life is at work in you. So Paul is saying... All, all this hard stuff that we're going through is for your sake. It's for the sake of Christ, but it is for your sake. We're doing this for you. Our, our hard stuff that we experience, our troubles and trials. Oh, my Bible's falling apart. There, <laughs> yeah, it's the maps in the back. Okay, I'm just going to leave it. Our, our, uh, our hard stuff that we're experiencing is, um, is producing something in us. It's for a purpose. And uh, let me let me just share with you, because um, I know that the Bible, you get tired of hearing about this. It ha- it's so frequent in the Bible when bad things happen. God loves to show his glory in the midst of those bad things. So um, Kevin's wife here, Viola, t- two, three years ago was baptized. And in her baptism story, it just struck me. And I noticed that she wrote it in a way or she told it in a way where it, it was this moment where um, you could you could illustrate what we're trying to say here, and that is that when she was 10 years old, I believe she was 10, her father, and she grew up in a very difficult um, upbringing, but her father held her underwater to the point of drowning. And she had always had a fear of water. And there she stood on her day of baptism, getting ready to what? Be put underwater. The, because her heavenly father, she could trust to put her underwater in a way and, and what God does is he takes even evil in this world and brings it for his glory. Now, that takes a lot of chutzpah to believe that. 
But I want you to believe that. The Holy Spirit wants you to believe that the most evil thing in this world can serve God's glory. Joseph in the Old Testament says, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for what? For good. You see that? That, that is called the transforming, redeeming power of God. And it comes out of that treasure that is in you. So we have this uh, treasure that is producing fruit in us and its purpose in us. And then he says in verse 13, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken with that same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. And all of this is for your benefit. It's, again, he's saying it's for you. It's for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Uh, the spirit of faith, this treasure that has this story of death to life, this power is at work in, in you. And it's producing in Paul a, um, an attitude. It's, he calls it the spirit of faith, but I don't know if it's, if it's a good expression to use in church or not, but it's a devil-may-care attitude. I don't care. The devil's doing this. I don't care. And you can see Paul living his life. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care what is going on other than what God is about. And that's where his power is. That's, that he is freed up. He is totally freed up. So you, uh, you see this stuff going on in, in Paul. And then you get to verse 16, and this is where he says, we do not lose heart. And uh, we do not lose heart, let's review, because we are, what, clay pots with great value, that we have uh, purposes going on in us, that we, you know, just redemptive purposes that we're, God can even use evil to bring about good and to bring about his glory. Um, if you notice that, that all of this, it's Jesus-centered. It's, it's all stuff that Jesus has experienced here. And the effect of it, he says in verse 15, is that there's an overflow of grace. And more and more people are having their eyes open. So that we can say in our world today, you may know this, that roughly 25,000 people a day in our world are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. The Christian movement, it's a movement. It just keeps on going. So, we do not lose heart, Paul says, all that stuff. But now I want to get to verse 17, and this is where, if you think that has some chutzpah in it, we'll uh, hang on. Verse 17 says, uh, our, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles. Before I... I put a list of Paul's light, another list of Paul's light and momentary troubles up there. I want you to think about yours right now. What do you have? Let me guess. It has something to do with relationships, health, or finances, right? Uh, maybe not, but probably. And um, get your list, maybe three things that you're worried about that you bring with you today. And, it, you know, it's marriage, kids, it's finance, it, whatever it is. And then ask yourself, does that seem light and momentary? Well, let's look at Paul's list. This is from chapter 6 of the same letter. And again, I put the yellow in more of the um, physical stuff that he's dealing with and the blue in the uh, more emotional stuff that he's having to go through. 
Light and momentary troubles that Paul lists there. Beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. And then the emotional stuff through glory. He's going back and forth here. On the one hand, glory. On the other hand, dishonor. Bad report and good report. Genuine. He says of himself he's genuine, yet he's regarded as an imposter. He is known, yet regarded as unknown. He is beaten, but not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I mean, you get the idea that this is the stuff. I I mean, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but this is the stuff that Paul is referring to. These are light and momentary. Are are they? I mean, here's the deal. Um, You've got... A, a, a weight there is he as and you know there's all these lists in this letter of all the troubles that Paul is going through and those things can weigh you down right they're heavy and uh, if you had it on the scales he's going to put something else on the scale here in a minute on the other side but if you had the scales I mean how heavy are the scales on the side of trouble pretty heavy and how heavy are they for you probably you're thinking pretty heavy maybe not compared with Paul though, right? I mean, I hope that you don't have worse uh, stuff than that. Some of you, if you, I mean, I didn't sleep well last night, so sleepless nights, I get hungry. Yeah, but that, we're talking extreme stuff here, Paul. Well, let's go to the other side. So he says that we have these light and momentary troubles, and um, they are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul is doing a wordplay here, and I need to uh, Paul is, is a Hebrew, he's Jewish, and he knows this word. And so commentators will say, Paul is kind of playing around here with the words. The word is kavod. It's, it looks like kavod. It's, there's the Hebrew letters. and uh, It looks like kavod, but it's pronounced kavod. And it's translated glory. And here's what it means, literally. It means heavy, weighty, important, significant, and famous. So here's... If, if I could read that for you again, using that and, and, and try to point out the play of words, Paul is saying our light, not heavy, but our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal heaviness, a weight, an importance, a significance and fame. Those are that's what Paul is saying. <laughs> now, think of this as he does his comparison there and he he's got all these troubles over here on this side. And it's really, really, really weighing him down. And then he looks at the eternal glory that is his in the future. He thinks about it. Do you think about, when you look at your list, do you think about the eternal glory, the kavod that Paul is thinking about? I'm going to ask you that. Because if you do, here's what will happen. It goes like that, real quick. That the glory is so much weightier. It's heavier. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just more substantial. And if you can focus on that glory, then your, your, uh, pro- your problems, and your troubles will seem light and momentary. Do you want that? I want that. And I think you do, too. So uh, if if you do the comparison shopping there, which Paul encourages you to do, and you come to that conclusion and you realize that your troubles are light and momentary as compared with the heavy. And if you're from the 60s, you can say uh, real heavy, real heavy, man, real heavy. Then you will um, you, you will come to the conclusion that um, Paul is 
has got a lot of chutzpah here that we need to get into ourselves. And so um, he, he goes even further when he says, not only do I have this, this glory that outweighs the troubles, but this, this glory is achieving for us, um, or I'm sorry, these troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. So here's what he's saying. He says, the more I get weighed down by troubles the more glory I have in my life. So the scales that start out, you know, you start out here, the more I get weighed down with uh, these troubles in life, the more glory it produces, the more it achieves. Now, I, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't always get that. I don't want that in my life. But that's called living by the spirit of faith that he mentioned earlier. The more troubles you have, the more glory you will receive. Now, that takes faith to... I mean, all kind of chutzpah faith. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's out there. Can you believe it? That's, I want you to ask yourself, can you believe that? <laughs> that the more troubles you have in life, the more glory you will receive. That's what he says. The more famous you will be. Let's put it that way. I'm going to go with the word fame here. Now, if Paul's saying, I'm going to be really, really famous someday. Famous with who? <laughs> that's the question. Famous with who? Well, C.S. Lewis steps in here and he says, famous with God. You will be famous with God. And that, he, he wrote this, probably his best sermon ever. It's called The Weight of Glory. And if you don't get this, folks, you miss out on so much that will re- you need for life. That to be famous with God will produce a, a weight of glory. You'll feel weird about it because God is the source of glory and he's saying, you're famous. How do you feel when you hear that from God? How do you feel that God, when God says, I appreciate you and I approve of you? It makes you feel a little bit like, I don't know. Do you really? Have you really looked? Have you looked at the lust of my life? Have you looked at the desires of my heart? Have you looked at the greed of my life? Have you looked at the selfishness? We'll come back to that question. But that's how you feel. And Lewis picks up on that. But what he says here is it's not... Contrary to what you've heard, it is not what you say about God that is the most important thing. It's what God says about you. Because you can say whatever you want about God and it will not change him one bit. But when God says something about you, I approve of you and I appreciate you, my son or my daughter. It has a huge, I mean huge effect on the human heart. We go into the world every day. You're going to go there tomorrow looking for a verdict that says you're okay. And that world will give you mixed signals over and over and over again. Mixed signals. That's the best you're going to get. And you'll look to your own heart to say, am I okay? And you'll answer that from your own heart's perspective and you'll get mixed signals. You'll say to yourself, I am such a dummy. I am such a klutz. You'll use four-letter words that you don't want anyone else to hear regarding yourself. And God says, I appreciate you. I value you. You are famous with me. Wow, that's hard to take in. That's the weight of glory. The only person whose opinion of you counts, think about this, the only person whose opinion of you counts is a person who died for you. You believe that? Can the Holy Spirit say that is true for you? Can you hear him saying that? The only person whose opinion of you matters at all is the one who died for you. That's the verdict. So when God 
sees us here and we have to say, OK, here we come back to that question. How can God look at me with all of my stuff, all that stuff in the in that is in the image of the iceberg that we used a few weeks ago? And we only see the tip of the iceberg and we all know that our own hearts are darker than that. How can God look into that? And he does. How can he see all that stuff, all that junk, all the lies that we believe or have told, all the, the, the things that are going on there and say, wow, you're famous. We don't want to be famous at that point. We, we want to cover. And God says, no, no, you don't need to. You're covered in Christ. You're covered in Christ. Jesus is glorified, and I'm going to give you that kind of... Paul says in Romans 8, that you're going to be glorified too. In Christ, you're glorified. Accept Christ. Receive Christ. Believe in Christ. Live in Christ. Christ is the reason that we can say, oh, I am so good. Now, uh, when we hear God's words, okay, so here we are. Jars of clay. We're, not, we're, we're the jars of clay. Not looking too good, but valued. And there's chutzpah there, for sure, just even in that. And now we're, we're going to be glorified. But if you look at Revelation chapter um, 4, here's what happens. There's these people there who have crowns. And that's part of their glory. I don't know if literally they have crowns in heaven. This is a picture of the future. This is a picture, hopefully, of your future. But here's the point. They cast down their crowns. So they're, they're casting down their glory. They've been glorified. They've been uh, made famous. They've been made heavy. They've been made weighty, significant, important. All the stuff that we want in life, they have. And they take off a symbol of that off of their heads and they cast it down around the throne of God. Because what happens is when we are, when, when we, I, this is the future, folks. I'm trying to give you a picture of the future that might help you in your light and momentary troubles to picture the future better. And that's what the book of Revelation gives us that. It's, it's before God, the throne of God, chapter 4. And these people are casting down their glory, the signs of their glory. They cannot help it. What's going to happen is we are more and more made more and more glorious in the future will be that we will have a greater and greater urge to give God glory. That's it right there. They can't help themselves. They're ramping up in, in life to give more and more glory to God. That is your future. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the grace that we find in Christ. And Jesus, uh, Lord of glory. That's one of your titles, Jesus. Lord of glory. Bring your glory. Bring your glory into these clay pots called us who don't look like much. And we have our stuff. But bring your glory. Bring your treasure. May it flow May it, may it leak into our inner places as we carry it around. And may it overflow. And Lord, as, as we, uh, Lord of glory, as, as we are weighed down by our light and momentary troubles, produce more glory in us, we pray. That is the future that we have promised in you. In Jesus' name, amen.